We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. Welcome to another Three Maw Pod NCAA Tournament Edition. We got DY in Greensboro, North Carolina, touched down about 10 hours ago, uh, hanging out in the great state of uh, Tar Heel Country or, or Blue Devil Country. I don't UNC Greensboro Country, whatever the heck their mascot is. You know, you know what? What uh, I found this out. You know what university I'm the closest to is Wake Forest. Oh, Winston Salem. All right, yeah, Winston Salem, right there. UNC Greensboro is not the closest. Well, it probably is. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was You're thinking talking. major, major yeah. universities. Yeah. yeah, I'm like uh, 25 minutes from Wake Forest, and then 50 minutes apiece from Duke in North Carolina, and then an hour and a half from NC State, I believe. Talk about a home court advantage when the ACC tournament's played in Greensboro for those schools and some of the others uh, traveling. No wonder Jim Beheim hates going down to Greensboro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and not quite 10 hours, obviously. And, and by the time people are listening to this, it'll be much more than that. But yeah, I've been here for most of Wednesday. Most of Wednesday. Well, what's what's Greensboro like, D.Y.? Before we dive in, what, what is, uh, what's been your observations? What's the vibe in Greensboro? Uh, I haven't seen much, to be honest other than the inside of my hotel and I went to the hotel bar and that's about it at this point. And, and, and of course did a lot of writing for KSO as well. But uh, aside from that, to be honest, from the little I've seen, I think I would enjoy Greensboro more than Des Moines. I know Des Moines is nearby, but Des Moines is pretty lame. Yeah. Well, Hey, I didn't, uh, I didn't mean to get a sidetracked here at the beginning, but uh, you know, as always, we're going to get you teed up with everything you need to know, you know, about Montana State, about potential matchups with Kentucky and Providence. We're going to break down those potential matchups. You guys may have already heard our show on Sunday, the instant reaction live pod we did on YouTube. That's also on Apple and Spotify, about an hour long show where we kind of gave some instant thoughts and uh, some initial breakdowns, but we've now had more time to dive into it a little bit more and really break down these matchups, how K-State matches up against Montana State and potentially Providence, Kentucky, who they could see in the second round, depending upon who wins. So we're going to break all that down for you. As always, thank thank our sponsors, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, 360 Vodka, Holiday Distillery, for all of their support, great K-State folks who support us. Get yourselves a bottle of Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon or 360 Vodka before the NCAA tournament, guys. You know, you're going to, you know, it's fun to bet on these games, you might need a drink after you bet on some of these games and have your money relying on them and you're watching some of these unfold. Uh, if you're a K-State fan, load up for Friday night. Get yourself a bottle because they're going to have a lot of fun over the weekend with potentially two K-State basketball games, one on Friday night and one on Sunday. So support them who support us. All right. Well, D.Y., you know, I, I think maybe we just get started and, and jump into Montana State and really break down this matchup, uh, three versus 14 seed. But 
I'll tee it up to you first, kind of what you make of the the matchup as you've had a chance to to look into it a little bit more. No, and this is going to sound bad. Not really worried about them. Um, and I know that you can statistically outline this conclusion, but I know a lot of us have been talking in the group chat, you know, whether it's me and you and uh, KSU underscore fan, Jimmy, who will be with me in Greensboro for both games as well. So that's, that's a cool thing to have. The, the takeaway that I get, like, this would be like their best win in school history. They've, they've really never beat someone, you know, with the profile of Kansas state in at least in the tournament, Kansas State's never really fallen to someone like Montana State, not even in the recent ones where you have some of the, the worst upsets. You know, when you talk about UC Irvine, LaSalle, I know I'm bringing up some bad memories. But when you consider those, I mean, Montana State would even eclipse that, at least from a statistical and numerical standpoint. And Kansas State's worst loss this year, I think, is Butler, right? If I'm correct? Still yep. Butler? Yep. And I think Butler is still better on Kempom than Montana State. And probably, is it by a comfortable margin as well? Uh, let me check that while you're talking. Um, yeah. I'll pull that up. But at least what I'm getting around to is that I'm, I'm not trying to like jinx Kansas State whatsoever, but this would be Montana State's best win this year. It would be Montana State's best win in school history probably. They've never won an NCAA tournament game. Um, and I, I know this sounds like a lo- bunch of jinxes, and I'm sorry. And on the flip side, Kansas State, tournament-wise, I think UC Irvine was better. I think LaSalle was better um, than Montana State. And this year, in terms of the losses that Kansas State has, I think Butler is ahead of Ken Palm, ahead of Montana State and Ken Palm. Maybe not by as much as I thought. Uh, so actually, you know, Butler must have fallen over the last few weeks. Butler's oh, now 100. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, it's changed. Butler wasn't at this point a couple, two or three weeks ago, but now Butler's 123rd overall in Ken Palm, and Montana State's 110th. But that was a road game in Butler in the seventh or eighth game of the season. This K State team's completely different. So, like, I wouldn't like if you're a K State fan, I wouldn't panic over that. And Butler even imploded even more. So. Well, yeah, I mean, a large part of their implosion, like Manny Bates, who killed K-State in that game, missed a lot of games this year. Um, speaking of Butler, they have guys entering the transfer portal galore right now. I saw their point guard entered today. Their uh, shooting guard entered yesterday or the day before. So a lot of guys from the Bulldogs entering the portal. But D.Y., I, I think I, – oh, go ahead. I said I don't think we want them. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so either. But I think you bring up a really great point just to level set this out of the gate because – I'm going to present to you guys a lot of numbers about Montana State that might actually scare you, but you have to remember the competition that yeah, they're playing. I will I will say is that I'm trying to think of who the other 14 seeds are, but I think they're the worst 14 seed as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who those 14 seeds um, are. It's awesome. And I'll get them, yep. Well, what I will what I will tell you is like I look at what Texas drew with Colgate. I would much rather play Montana State than Colgate yeah. as a 15 seed. Like Colgate is the number one three point shooting team in the country. Yeah, and to be honest, I would I'd rather play Montana State than 15 seed Colgate. I would also here's an, another interesting one. I would rather play 15 seed Mon or 14 seed Montana State than 15 seed UNC Asheville. Also not about 15 seed. Yeah. So UCLA and Texas got some weirdness there on the 15 seed line because then you have Kennesaw State, who's I think a 13, which most thought would be a 15. And the closer I look at this, like I said, Kennesaw State, I think probably was a little bit overseeded as a 14. I think Colgate, as you said, and probably even UNC Asheville underseeded as a 15. But UC Santa Barbara is a pretty dangerous 14 seed. I'd rather have Montana State than them. But would I rather have Montana State than Grand Canyon? I don't know. I think, to be honest, the the 15s in general kind of look more dangerous than the 14s this year, which is kind of weird. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And look, you could look at it the same way at like some of the six seeds compared to like the four and fives, right? Like if I look at some of the four seeds comparative to the six seeds, like do you really want to get TCU as a six seed or do you really want to get Creighton as a six seed, which is 13? If you look at Baylor, Baylor has to potentially play Creighton which is ranked two spots ahead of it in Ken Palm right now as a potential second round matchup in a three, six. Yeah. And to highlight that even more, 
I was going to say like six seed Creighton or three seed Xavier. I know this sounds weird because I think Xavier got overseeded as well. I think I would rather play Xavier than Creighton. I mean, it, it sounds weird because Xavier just beat the crap out of uh, Creighton in the uh, tournament in the Big East, but I, I think that was just a, a really off night for Creighton. I think Creighton's still the better team over Xavier, especially with Zach Fremantle out for the Musketeers. So I, I agree with that. And like, as I look at a lot of the four seeds, like I look at Tennessee without Ziegler as a four. I look at Virginia with their lack of offensive firepower as a four seed. And I look at, there, there was one other four, you know, I would rather play those teams than some of these sixes, like a TCU, like a Creighton. So, And, and, then, and then you have a five seed Duke who's playing like a two seed right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, like I said, I didn't want to see when, when five seed was presented on that bracket and we knew K-State same hadn't been called and it was the last region. I was just hoping K-State wasn't the four potentially having to play Duke, which is one of the hottest teams in the country. So uh, yeah, that's, and Duke's got a lot of size and length, you know, they're the type of team that with that length can probably turn you over. I haven't looked at their turnover numbers, but yeah, that, that was a matchup we wanted no part of. So, uh, you know, I, th I think ultimately, while I mentioned on the instant reaction pod, I was not excited about Kentucky and playing them potentially in the second round. As I look at it and more, like it's not a bad matchup. Like you said on the instant reaction, DY, like, yeah, it's not, you're, you're going to have to play somebody good and all likelihood to get to the sweet 16. Individually, you'd rather not have to go up against Oscar Shibway. I understand that part, although you can't attack him on the defensive end. But just from a holistic standpoint, like Kentucky, Providence, and Montana State are not the statistical profiles of teams that have beat K-State this year. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to Kentucky and to Providence potentially in that second-round matchup later on in the podcast but uh, and break that down a little more in depth and preview it for you guys. But for now, like to what D.Y. had said about Montana State, like KSU underscore fan outlined this for us, and D.Y., you basically brought this up earlier, is – since the Ken Palm era, which goes back to 2002, Montana State's best win is the number 71 ranked team in Ken Palm, Weber State, in 2013. They've only got two top 100 Ken Palm wins since Ken Palm started over 21 years. So you talk about K-State, top 25 Ken Palm team, three seed. Uh, it would be unquestionably by far and away their best win ever. And as you look at like the Big Sky Conference, they rank 19th out of 32 conferences in terms of Jeff Sagarin's rankings as best conferences in the country. Montana State played the 240th ranked schedule in the country. K-State played the number 19 schedule nationally and plays in the toughest league in America. And as you look at like the big sky individually, the teams in the big sky, six of the 10 teams finished with overall losing records on the year. And here's the Ken Palm rankings of the big sky in order of best to worst. Montana State, 110th in Ken Palm, Eastern Washington, 122, Montana, 159, Weber State, 191, Northern Arizona, 211. Um, let's see, got uh, Northern Colorado, 221, Sacramento State, 227, Portland State, 238, Idaho State, 243, and Idaho, 300. That, that's all those big sky teams. Yeah. <laughs> that's all those big sky teams. It's yeah. not a great conference. No, it's not. A, that's my point, kind of, is like, when I talk to you about the numbers that I'm going to present, yes, I, I think Montana State has some strengths that match up well against K-State. But when you compare K-State playing Big 12 competition and their numbers versus Big Sky, the numbers for Montana State are naturally going to be inflated a decent amount because of who they played. Yep, that, you know, I kind of just thought of this, and, and you'll probably be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Kellis get his start? In, in sports writing by covering uh, Big Sky Idaho State. Okay. Yes, yes. I believe Kellis uh, Robinette of the Kansas City Star, K-State beat writer, uh, got his start with Idaho State. I know he was up in Idaho covering those teams at a, a period of time, yes. So I think that's correct. The Big so, Sky expert will have to get him on. Uh, yeah. you, you need to talk to Kellis um, down there in Greensboro. Uh, did you guys get a hotel together like you had booked in uh, Des Moines and other places? Like same? Yeah, because uh, we, we just – kind of run obviously we, we do a lot of the same trips at this point so kind of become a pair in that front but no i don't think this time we had different flights too the only one that was on my flight was tim everson from the manhattan mercury okay yeah all right well, was it easy to get into greensboro dy yeah it was very easy like it's funny like and brian smaller does a good job every time this comes up on social media and i love the way that he describes this saying 
that Manhattan, um, Kansas State in general, is the closest to an airport of any campus in the Big 12, which is absolutely true. It might be not be an international airport, but it's the closest one. You can get out and in very quickly. Um, as difficult as people tend to say that it is to get to someplace from Manhattan or to Manhattan, like I left Manhattan this morning and I was in Greensboro, North Carolina by 11 a.m. So it's not that difficult. No, that's not bad at all. And great recruiting pitch on the uh, Fly MHK front because that is such a convenient factor to have an airport. Easy parking right up front. Don't have to deal with anything and just hop in and off your plane. Look, it's been a long time since I flew out of Manhattan, but I flew to Texas A&M to College Station out of Manhattan one time to cover a game. And it took me like five minutes from parking to get through security. And I was sitting there. It was so easy. It, yeah. Still the so. same way. Yep. Still the same way. You can get to Chicago. That'll take you to Greensboro. In my case, it'll take you to Morgantown. It'll take you to other places. Then you can go to Dallas, which will take you to Lubbock or right there where TCU is. You know, Chicago will get you to Colum- or get you to Cincinnati when they join the league. It'll get you to Orlando. Yeah. It's it's not hard. Fly MHK, not a sponsor, could be. Huh? Do It seems like we're doing some pretty nice promotion here for you guys at Fly MHK. All right, maybe if you like Three Maw. Give us a call. Give us a, shoot us a, a tweet or an email. All right. Uh, join yeah. our friends. They, they, they have a segment on Power Cat Game Day. So. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> do both. We'll, do both. We'll talk to Mitch about that. Uh, anyways. All right. Well, hey, we're going to give you the Montana State breakdown here. We're going to break down things in depth. We'll talk about Kentucky Providence. First, we're going to toss to break. And when we come back, we're going to give you everything you need to know about the Montana State Bobcats. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back here on Three Mall, and it is time to talk Montana State and give you guys all the details you need so that you can be the most informed person at your watch party or at the bar watching Kansas State against Montana State and impress whoever you're with by knowing every number you could think of that you would want to know about what this Montana State team does well, how it matches up with K State. So, D.Y., if you don't mind, I'll get started, and then I'll toss to you for some initial thoughts uh, as we go through kind of the numbers here. Yeah. That works for you. Well, I, I think I think the number one thing that you see when you, you see Montana State is free throws and their ability to get to the foul line consistently and how that's going to be a huge point of emphasis in this game. So we talked about it in the instant reaction, but I want to go a little more in depth on this and how the two teams compare from a, a free throw standpoint and drawing fouls, et cetera, because that's really the key to Montana State's offense. So 25% of Montana State's points on the season come at the free throw line. That's the third highest in the country out of 363 Division I teams. 
Uh, 21.1% of the points K-State allows defensively come at the free throw line, which ranks 309th in the country. So when you look at that, you say, well, that's not a great matchup, a team that fouls a decent amount versus a team that draws a lot of fouls. Montana State's number two in the country in free throws made per 100 possessions at 26%. They draw a foul on 30% of their possessions. That's the third highest in the country. If you want a comparison, West Virginia is number two in the country at 30.1%. K-State fouls on 21.5% of opponents' possessions, ranking 168th in the country. And K-State is 298th nationally in free throw attempts allowed per opponent field goal attempt and number 283 nationally in free throws attempted per offensive possession by an opponent. Montana State, 80% from the free throw line over their last seven games on 232 attempts, averaging 25 or averaging 32 attempts per game over their last seven games. They make 76% from the foul line, which ranks 32nd in the country. So DY, that's that's going to be a big factor, obviously, right? You know they're going to try to get K-State in foul trouble. They're going to try and get Keontae Johnson, Naquan Tomlin, a couple ticky-tack fouls and get them on the bench. So I think a big thing for this game is for K-State's guys early on to get a sense and feel for how the officials are calling the game, how tightly they're calling it, and get an understanding of, of what how they're going to officiate this game. But I'm curious for your thoughts as you hear some of those numbers out of the gate. Yeah, I two, only two things – Three things come to mind. One of those was like one, I think, for, for Kansas State in terms of fouling was like ranked 170, 180th, which sounds bad, but that's kind of middle of the road. It's not as bad as it sounds. Two, I would say it's more or less Naquan Tomlin. That's the guy you got to keep out of foul trouble. That's when things can tend to go sideways for the Wildcats. And third, final item would be what what is it like home and away? Right. Uh, for Because – you tend to get a favorable whistle at home. Yeah. So what, what's it like when you're on a neutral, you know, you don't have, you know, obviously you don't have a big gym. Um, Montana State doesn't. But, what, I mean, you, you you tend to wonder how that differs home and away. Do you not envision a lot of Montana State fans packing uh, Greensboro? And affecting the whistle. Like those refs, they get all those uh, Bobcat fans, like, in their heads. Like, yeah. like you get at Allen Fieldhouse that they kind of really uh, tend to shift the game. No, I'm not expecting yeah, yeah, me either, obviously. Um, well, if you want to flip it around, though, on the flip side, we've talked about their ability to get to the foul line, but they're also one of the worst at putting teams at the foul line. So Montana State fouls its opponents on 24.7% of their possessions, which ranks 334 <laughs> out of 363 teams. So Dude, only, tw- only 29 teams foul more. Their, their, their games have to be so ugly. It's just oh, God. I hope you're ready for a three-hour slugfest, D.Y. You're not getting out of Greensboro Coliseum will, or whatever it's I will saying. say Kent State, unless it's Tyke Green or like Dave Gasson shooting like 80% of the free throws, Kent State's a, a pretty – at the end of the day, like sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, because it doesn't feel like it. But you look at their numbers, pretty good free throw shooting team, right? Yeah, K-State, K-State's shooting 75% from the foul line on the season. They're second best in the Big 12. They're just behind Texas, which is 75.2%. Yeah, so if it wasn't for – no offense to them. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. But if it wasn't even one of them, Tyke Green and David Gasson, they would be number one in the Big 12. Like, Tyke Green, I'm pretty sure, is still in the 30s. Percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you feel fortunate if Tyke can put one of two in at the foul line. Um, so. And yeah, it, it is a win because it's David Gasson. It might be a win too. Yeah, yeah. Well, they might just hack a shack, David, if uh, it comes to it. With as much as they tend to foul, they're um, Montana Bebe's State. Just yeah, Bebe is great. He's like over eighty percent on the season. Uh, he's been nails. Um, Montana State's two hundred seventy second in opponent free throws attempted per offensive possession. They're two hundred eighty fourth in free throw attempts per field goal attempt allowed. Um, 21% of opponents' points against Montana State come via free throws, which is 306 nationally. So, yeah, they, they're going to put you at the foul line a lot, and they're going to try to get to the foul line a lot. And that's going to be one of the biggest keys to this game. So Nothing, nothing like an 11 o'clock rock fight. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you might need an extra shot of Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon or 360 vodka to get through some of uh, the fouls if the officials are calling it tightly. Um, I think one of the other big factors, D.Y., so we've talked about the turnovers, right? And again, these numbers are inflated by Montana State going up against the competition that they have. But Montana State, 
has forced double-digit turnovers in 31 of its 34 games this season. Now, double-digit, like most teams turn the ball over 10 or more times in a game. So I don't know how significant that is. Uh, but they forced turnovers on 19.6% of opponents' possessions. That ranks 75th in the country. If you look at the numbers of K-State on the season, K-State is 9-7 and seven against teams that turn you over 19.6% of the possessions or more. So you talk about that, 9-7 and seven against teams like Montana State forcing that high the turnover percentage. They're 14-2, and two, the Wildcats are, against teams at 19.5% or lower enforcing turnovers per possession. And so Montana State's right on that cusp. But again, if they played in the Big 12, I'm guessing those numbers would be more like 17%, 16%, which would be toward the bottom tier in the country. So while they're going to try to turn you over, I'm not overly concerned about their ability to do so in this game. I and mean, what are your thoughts on how they match up and defend K-State? Yeah, unless, I mean, that's kind of built into the fabric of the team. So I, I put a little bit of clout into that. You, you, yeah, you take a little bit of a wave of what you can do with the free throw line. You, you're going to have to find areas where you can maybe mitigate that because they are a, a team that's kind of built upon that. So usually the fabric doesn't necessarily change, even though the opponent does, especially an opponent that does cough it up a little bit. Are they a ball pressure team? Is that how they do it? I would, I would want to look into that a little bit, obviously, as well. For Kansas State, then you probably say, well, you want to shoot a little bit better from the three-point line than you normally do, or you want to get to the free-throw line a little bit more than you normally do. And at least Montana State would probably present you options in both of those departments. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about turnovers, let's just real quick, I talked about we're going to hit on Kentucky Providence later, but let, let's just throw in while we're talking about the turnovers per possession force. Yeah, that's uh, great matchup wise here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's this will look very favorably. I tweeted out a graphic that includes the rankings of how K-State's opponents this year stack up where Kentucky, Providence, Montana State would fall in turnovers per possession force. So just for some background, K-State is 12 and two since the start of Big 12 play, including the Florida game when turning the ball over 15 times or less, they're 0-5 when they turn it over 16 times or more. Well, why is that important? Because over the last 21 games, since the start of SEC play, Kentucky hasn't forced 16 turnovers in a game once. They are not a high turnover team that forces you into turnovers. Meanwhile, Providence has turned over just one team over its last 21 games 16 times or more. So neither one of these teams turn you over. In fact, Kentucky is 267th nationally in turnovers possession forced at 16.3%, while Providence is 256 nationally at 16.5%. So if you look ahead to whoever K-State's going to draw in game two, potentially, if they make it there, assuming they do, the matchup in that front is pretty favorable for the Wildcats. Absolutely. And you got to worry about when, when with Providence, the only one that really scores at an abnormal clip is Bryce Hopkins. Kentucky, everything goes through Oscar Sheboy until they forget that he's on their team, of course, because they do tend to do that. They forget that he's there and he only makes a mark on the offensive glass. Yes, that's an area where Kansas State has struggled. I will say from a rebounding rate standpoint, they don't really struggle in the area as much as they did. It's just that every time someone gets an offensive rebound, they convert almost every time. So yep. it's it's not necessarily the rate. It's like the conversion rate off of those offensive rebounds that makes Kentucky a problematic matchup because obviously Oscar Shibway is really good in that department, but you can exploit him on the defensive end, especially if you look. I don't think you want to put Naquan Tomlin on him because you're just asking for foul trouble. I get that. But if you put David Gasson on him, you're probably giving up a little bit there, but he's still a big with versatility that you can go that route. Look, if you're Oscar Shibway as a defender, if you're Oscar Shibway as a defender, the last five you want to see across from Kansas State is probably Naquan Tomlin. But David Gasson's not very far off. That David Gasson's going to really provide Kansas State a really good matchup against Kentucky uh, from that standpoint. I know I'm kind of really getting into the weeds of those games, but I really like those games for Kansas State quite a bit. And then when you factor in two other things here, one, both teams going through a little bit of drama right now. I mean – Kentucky fans have been wanting John Calipari his head on a stick basically this entire year. There's been rumors about him 
you know, the Texas job, all this stuff. Obviously, those things have quieted a little bit because they turned around a little bit. On the other side, Ed Cooley's like deep into the Georgetown mess right now. And they're talking about how that's really, you know, altered things for Providence. Secondly, for both of those teams, I know Kentucky found themselves a little bit at the end of the season, but they just lost to Vanderbilt twice in the last 10 days, I want to say. Um, Providence, I think, has lost eight of their last 10 games. Neither, neither of those teams is really hot whatsoever. Yeah. No, I think that's all great, you know, input on the matchup and, and how those teams compare, you know, on the rebounding rate. Um, you know, Kentucky is number three in the country in rebounding rate. Providence is number 10 in the country in rebounding rate. They both get after it on the glass. K-State's number 97 in rebounding rate. Montana State's number 155, I think, nationally. Yeah, um, it's, it's come a long way too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and I think Providence has a 33% offensive rebounding percentage, which ranks 19th in the country. Kentucky's top five in offensive rebounding percentage because they got the best offensive rebounder in America and Oscar Shibway, who once again earned all American status and was the national player of the year in college basketball last season. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Kentucky and Providence here in a minute. One, a couple more things real quick on Montana state before we toss to a second break, uh, Montana state. I, I think this is another big factor. DY Montana state's number six in the country, only giving up 9.1 assists per game. They've held opponents below 10 assists in 20 of their 34 games. They're number seven nationally, only allowing a 0.767 or sorry, a 0.67 assist to turnover ratio. And I bring this up because of this. K-State is number six in the country, assisting on 64% of its made field goals on the season. So they're number six in the country in assists per field goals made. The Wildcats are 10-1 and one since the start of Big 12 play when they assist on 60% or higher of their made field goals in a game. And they're 2-7 and seven when assisting on under 60% of their made field goals in a game. You know, when they're playing well, the ball is moving around. It's zipping around. Marquise Noel's getting, you know, eight to ten assists. They're not turning the ball over as much, obviously. And in their win since the start of Big 12 play, K-State's averaging 66% assist rate per field goals made. And in their losses, a 54% assist rate on field goals made. I bring all of this up because Montana State is number six nationally, only allowing assists on 39% of field goals made. Now, that could be partially because they just hack you every time, right? They foul you so much, so that could be inflated by that. Can I, can I say the – look. Everyone, uh, I think the kinds of shots that you take also matter, right? And everyone, I think one of the metrics that's starting to catch on a little bit is the shot quality. And I know I sent this, uh, I don't know if you saw it, I sent this graphic to you, yep. shot quality. Um, they talk about, you know, your shot, shot making percentage, but like how good a shot you're taking too. Kansas State's like barely above the, the nationwide average when it comes to shot-making percentage. But when it comes to quality of the shot that they are taking, Kansas State's basically top five. Yeah, like it's, it's up there. So that assist rate, I get that. But I wonder if that assist rate only moves since Kansas State's so great at what the shots that they are taking. That, that seems to be pretty consistent if you're top five. Yeah. I wonder if that assist rate only moves by how much they are making it. Yeah. I mean, it very well could. I mean, you look at like some of the games where their assists are low, it's because they're missing three point shots, right? Like you look at the game at Oklahoma, they went four of 20 from three. You look at the TCU game, they were seven of 30 from three in Kansas city. Yeah. Just in Kansas city, I was going to say. So like, just because if you, if you really swear by shot quality, which I, I think still what they're doing is still pretty good. Like it's like, man, they're getting the shots that they want most of the time. If if you really understand what that's trying to tell you, it, it, I wonder if it just comes down to shot making more yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, clearly, K State's going to be one of the best teams that Montana State's faced this year. They played Oregon. K State's better than Oregon. They played Arizona. Arizona's number two seed in the NCAA tournament, but they lost both of those games by twenty plus points they this need, year. They need they need someone else to shoot well. Besides your usual customers, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, either Desi Sills, Cam Carter, someone needs to have a good shooting game. Yeah, I mean, if K-State's going to get to the Sweet 16, they got to get more from the supporting cast. I mean, you look at the TCU game in Kansas City, you know, you didn't get anything from Cam Carter. You got stuff from Desi Sills, but you didn't get anything from any of the other guys outside of your normal. Like Tomlin didn't give you much. You got to get Tomlin. Yeah, foul trouble. You got to get Tomlin. You got to get Cam Carter to give you more. 
Um, yeah. even if it's just making a couple threes. Yeah, Cam Carter is a big thing. Like, I know that he's been – he's in a quite a rut right now. But I think what we do need to remember, because I know all of us can fall into this trap, is Cam Carter is much better than what he has shown. I really do think this is a slump, but not necessarily Cam Carter's not good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think – and Cam's a great defender too, right? So, I mean, that needs to be – you know, made clear that, you know, when offense isn't going well, he's still defending his tail off out there. And he's a big part of that. He's a long guard. He's got to get better at finishing at the rim and you'd like to see him more consistent on the perimeter shot. And I think that will come. So, and, and I we need to look at the numbers, but I'd be curious, like if when Cam Carter scores like 10 or more points, what's K-State's record this year? Cause I, I would guess, I know the Iowa state game and Ames, he went off and they lost, but I think other than that, they probably win most games where he, he gives you points. Probably Desi, too. I wonder a little bit of that because here's my thing with Desi, and I know it's probably more powerful now because people are realizing how good he can be. Sometimes he's a little too unselfish. He just needs to go. Uh, Desi could get to the rim whenever he wants. So, yeah, I would encourage him to to do that against Montana State because I'm guessing they don't see many guards like him that can get to the rim as powerful and quick as he is especially with the foul rate that we've already talked about. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on Montana State, Darius Brown, their uh, point guard, you know, on an individual level. Look, they've got some guys that average 15-plus a game. they got a, a really good big that's been there for four years. But Darius Brown, to me, he's the big sky defensive player of the year. He transferred in from Cal State Northridge this year. He's a fifth-year player, senior point guard. He ranks number seven nationally with a 3.1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Look, Montana State – is 166 in offense via Ken Palm, uh, and they're 71st in defense. Last year, Montana State, last season, they made the tournament. They were a 14 seed then, too, and we mentioned they lost to Texas Tech 97-62 in the tournament last year as a 14 seed versus three. Last year, they were 138th in Ken Palm offensively, but 100 or 138th overall in Ken Palm last year, 150 in offense, 143 in defense last year. So they've taken a significant jump from 143 in Ken Palm's defensive rankings to 71st this year. And I think a large part of that is Darius Brown, who's the big sky defensive player of the year. So him against Marquise Noel is going to be a big matchup in this game. More than anything, Marquise just has to hit shots. I think he was one and nine from three in the last game. Yep. Agreed. All right. We're going to toss it to a final break, and then we're going to come back. We talked a little bit about Kentucky and Providence earlier, but we're going to talk about them a little more in depth uh, here on this final segment and get you guys braced for what we hope matters in Kansas State playing in the second round on Sunday. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back here on 3Maw. Uh, one final segment uh, before we conclude another episode for us. You know, we want to talk a little bit about what we hope occurs on Sunday, and that's Kansas State playing in the second round with an opportunity to get to the Sweet 16 and New York City and Madison Square Garden. So, D.Y., Kentucky, six seed, Providence, 11 seed. Let's kind of tee this up. Kentucky, number 28 team, and Ken Palm. K-State's number 25 currently. So those two teams are pretty close together. If they play, I imagine it would be kind of close to a pick on the betting lines. Providence is number 45 in Ken Palm. Like I said, K-State 25th. Uh, so K-State would probably be like two and a half, three-point favorites, I would guess, if they line up against Providence. I'm not great at projecting lines, but who would you rather see? in that matchup? I would rather see, that's a good question, right? Uh, And this is why they pay you the big bucks. I think I would rather see Providence. I mean, it's so close. Here's the thing. That game's going to be very entertaining. I'm going to make sure that I'm already in the building for that one because they are, they are close to identical. 
They really are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we'd already talked about it, like turnover rate, right? Providence, 256 in the country at forcing turnovers possession. Kentucky, 267. They're right around each other there. Rebounding rate, Kentucky number three in rebounding rate, Providence number 10 in rebounding rate. So this game currently is a four-point favorite. Kentucky is a four-point favorite. I probably overlooked in the instant reaction show on Sunday that Providence very well could beat them. And, and a lot of that was influenced by the factor of Providence has been pretty poor down they're, the stretch. They're playing so bad right now, and I wonder if that has to deal with the Ed Cooley-Georgetown distraction. Like, I think that's been ongoing. So you wonder if something's just not up there that you know the, the casual onlooker like you and I are – we don't have that information readily available because yep. at the end of the day – that spread shouldn't be four points. It really shouldn't. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, a month ago, what's Providence? A six, seven seed, just like Kentucky. Like I, th- yeah, probably, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Kentucky, I, I think we, I think it is fair to still have some questions about the health of that team. I don't think that anyone in, like, I don't know if they're going to have severe Wheeler. To be honest, they're, they've actually played worse this year when they had severe Wheeler available. <laughs> if we're going to be quite honest, so if, if you're, I know I know a few Kentucky fans just because of where I grew up that don't want severe Wheeler available because they think they're a better team without him. But at the same time, Casey Wallace is probably not 100. percent Yeah, I'm torn on that because severe Wheeler he transferred from Georgia a couple of years ago. He's a good player for Georgia. He can't really shoot right, so I think teams they they're able to congest their defense more um, when he's on the court, but he is so lightning quick and a really good defender. So, uh, but he's not a big guard. So like you think about him against Marquise Noel, he's like five ten. He's a good defender on specific guys. He just doesn't have defensive versatility. He's a turnover a little bit too. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not necessarily just a cohesive player. That's his yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, and he hasn't – so to your point, he hasn't played in a game since February 4th versus Florida. He's been out. Uh, I don't know what his status is going to be. They went on their run. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that run, they were 11-4 and four over their last 15 games entering the SEC tournament, so things really clicked. And it, yeah, yeah, and if you look uh, – yeah, they lost to Vanderbilt twice. In fact, so let, let, let's hit that real quick. So a couple things here. First of all, if you look at barttorbic.com, Kentucky, since February 15th, is the third best team in the country playing quad one opponents. They're 4-0 against quad one matchups since February 15th. So they they played well against better teams of late. But like you said, they lost to Vanderbilt twice in the last 10 days. And Vanderbilt's not in the tournament. And here's the other thing. They lost to Georgia in this SEC season. Georgia's ranked, what, 149th in Ken Palm. And they lost to South Carolina, D.Y.? That, that, that's, that's, you know, that, uh, losing to South Carolina is what kept Clemson out of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina is 221st in Ken Palm and they lost to them in in Lexington. It was in Lexington. They've lost to Vanderbilt in South Carolina and Lexington. You know, so they say this. Rupp Arena doesn't offer much of a home court. No, you're right. No, you're right. it's, It's some of those. And we've talked about this off air before. Some of these blue bloods like Kentucky, North Carolina, they sell out the all this premium seating so much to these high-paying donors just to get more of a buck that they have basically eradicated any home court advantage that they can conjure. It, it doesn't feel like the crowds on top of you in those arenas. Like it just it feels like an NBA environment, right? When you watch North Carolina games on TV and Kentucky games, it's not that intimidating vibe you get in some of these other arenas. So I completely agree with that. Look, I'll say the South Carolina and Georgia losses, like those were earlier in SEC play when they were they were scuffling. They figured some things out, but they still lost to Vanderbilt twice in 10 days. So how much did they figure out? Like Vanderbilt played hot down the stretch. I know that. But to not adjust, you lose to them at home, and then you, you would expect a good team, a talented team, to respond when they play them again just a week later and to lose essentially the same game? Uh, I don't know. Go back to the question here. Do you want Kentucky or do you want Providence? Statistically profiled, these two teams are pretty much the same. It depends if you want to face the inferior coach. I know people are going to be shocked by this, but Ed Cooley is a far better coach than John Calipari. John Calipari, better recruiter. Um, he's earned where he's at, and he's won a lot of games. He's, he's a national champion. 
but I, I think Cole would agree if we're talking about even, especially in a short time frame that they're going to have. Um, I would rather have Ed Cooley as my coach in this situation than John Calipari. Um, just specifically for this, John Calipari never been known as an X's and O's guy. It's just kind of, I hate the people that say roll out the ball. I don't, I wouldn't say he's that, but he is more recruiter than X's and O's guy. Ed Cooley is more X's and O's guy than recruiter. So coaching edge, I would actually give to Ed Cooley, but at the end of the day, Kentucky does have Oscar Sheboy and Providence does not. So would you rather face Oscar Sheboy with an inferior coach or a superior coach without Oscar Sheboy? I think that's really what it comes down to. I'll tell you what will be a good matchup on Thursday night is Ed Croswell, senior big man for Providence, who's averaging 13 points and eight rebounds a game, who's really come on this year up against Sheboy. You know, that, I mean, those two guys get after it on the glass. Um, obviously, Sheboy is the better rebounder, but Croswell is kind of your more traditional big, too. Um, like Sheebway. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch those two bang around in the paint. To your coaching point, D.Y., I completely agree. Like, I don't think anyone questions Ed Cooley's done a heck of a job at Providence over the years to just well, that's consistently. That's a tough job. That's a tough yeah. job. When yeah. people talk about Big East jobs, usually the toughest ones, someone would probably say, oh, DePaul's toughest job in the Big East. It's not. The tougher jobs in the Big East are like Providence and St. John's. Yeah. Just because resource DePaul, you still have resources, and Providence and St. John's, you don't. Which is why you hear the rumors that Cooley might want to leave Providence because he's not getting enough NIL support, right, from donors. Yeah. In Georgetown, you get everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting, the Rick Patino St. John's stuff because St. John's, just the money isn't there. Right. On the on the coaching front, though, D.Y., I think this this exudes the point that you're making. So KSU underscore fan sent us this in a group text yesterday. Um, Jimmy did. Uh, so credit to him because a lot of this stuff, like Jimmy's the best at advanced analytics and any numbers you would want. And I know he's going to be there with you covering the game and getting in. He's driving. So yeah. Godspeed, yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. maybe you'll listen to this on your rest of your drive tomorrow. Yeah, we'll build a fill. On Thursday because he's dry, he drove – he's probably in the midst of doing so – halfway on Wednesday – you're stopping in Frankfurt, Kentucky. You're going through the Buffalo Trace distilleries and all that stuff. So he he's making a trip of it and enjoying himself for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jimmy enjoyed some of the Ben Holiday bottle and Bon Bourbon at the uh, tailgate for the KU football game with us uh, before that game when we had that fancy tailgate set up. So yeah, a new one coming, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, uh, have a safe trip. Hopefully we can fill an hour of your time here with this podcast uh, as we reference a lot of the numbers that you provide us. So we appreciate you and, and grateful for all that you do. Um, but he provided this number about us, uh, about Kentucky. Kentucky is top 20 in the country in field goal percentage at the rim, but they're 290th in the percent of field goal attempts they take at the rim. So a top 20 team shooting at the rim, but they hardly shoot it at the rim. Like they don't get it to Shibway enough on design plays, and and they they stole. If I want, if you, you could probably correct me if I'm wrong, Calipari stole Brad Underwood's top assistant as well. That you would think would kind of sort this out, right? Orlando Antigua is yep. in the Kentucky. Yeah, yep. yeah. Of course, Antigua is kind of known as a bag man, right? Too in the you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the, here's the other part. You talk about shot quality. Kentucky is 209th in the country in field goal percentage on two-point jumpers, so, but they take the seventh highest percent nationally of two-point jumpers in America. So they're a bad jump-shooting team, but they take the seventh highest amount of jump shots while taking the least amount of shots at the rim that you could probably imagine or draw up when they're a great team finishing at the rim. And you know why they're great at the rims? Because Oscar Sheeble. Yeah, well, he gets so many they're putbacks. They're giving him the ball on the... I, I would guess that... Also, a lot of that field goal percentage at the rim, D.Y., and the, so they're 290th on the percent of field goal attempts at the rim. Where would they be if it wasn't for Sheboy getting an offensive rebound putback? Because I imagine most, like half his points are just putbacks, him getting the ball and putting it in. Yeah, they, but, like, they, they, they're not running offense through him enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's some numbers on Kentucky. So, they so Oh, go I, ahead. So I think my answer would be Kentucky just because I think Ed Cooley, especially in a short time frame, Nothing against Coach Tang. I think Coach Tang's the best. Like, uh, I wouldn't take anyone against Coach Tang anymore. Like, I'm not. I just, I'm not prepared to do that. But I would rather Coach Tang face John Calipari than Ed Cooley. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to dispute that, honestly. Like, I don't, there, there's, 
And let's look at the talent perspective, right? Because you hear Kentucky and you think talent, look, this was the preseason number four team in the country, the preseason pick to win the SEC. And and look, they've beaten some talented teams on any given night. They can, they can beat anybody, but you know, more often than not, they've shown who they are. This team, they're up and down. Let's think back. Remember 2018 DY, of course you were there. K-State beat Kentucky as a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Remember that Kentucky team. How many NBA guys do you think they had on that team? What do you recall? How many? No, give me a number. Who are the guards? Because I know they had Knox and Washington, right? Yeah. So they, uh, so Quade Green was the one guy that didn't go to the NBA, and he was a good point guard. Eventually transferred out back to Washington. Um, but other guards: Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, he was on that team in the Elite Eight or the Sweet Sixteen game. Yes, he was their starting point guard. Oh man, I don't even remember Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, he's one of the best point guards in the NBA right now. He is averaging 31 points per game in the NBA currently. He was an all-star this year, and he was their starting freshman point guard. Kevin Knox is just a scorer in the NBA, um, not a super athlete. The Washington guy, I think, is in Charlotte still. 15 points a game. P.J. Washington averaging 15 a game. He was their starting forward against K-State. He killed him in that game. Yeah, I think Washington and Knox both were pretty good. Yeah. So – yeah, and Knox was good. Hamadou Diallo went to Oklahoma City. He was uh, our sixth man, I think. Yeah, yeah, he didn't give them as much as they probably expected, but I was surprised he made an NBA roster and he's been in the well, league still. Long, long, stupid. Yeah. It's just a stupid long athlete, right? Yeah. yeah. So so I bring this up. Seven guys on that team that K-State beat have played in the NBA. Winyan Gabriel, Nick Richards. Think how many big men they had. Nick those Richards. Guys, those guys barely played, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't play much. Like Nick Richards, Jared Vanderbilt, he's in the NBA still. He's been five years in. He was another reserve big that they had on that game. Kevin Knox, you mentioned it. Hamadou Diallo, Winyan Gabriel, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, um, all on that team. They had three guys that were drafted in the first round off of that team. You know why I bring that up? Look at this year's Kentucky team. Kaysen Wallace was the number 10 player in the country in the 2022 recruiting class. He's their six foot four point guard. He's, he's currently, player. yeah. He's currently projected by ESPN to be the number 13 player in the 2023 NBA draft, but he's it. He's the only guy projected to make an NBA roster off this Kentucky team. Oscar Shibway is ranked as the number 74 player by ESPN because a lot of teams don't think he's going to be able to defend in the NBA level. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought there was one more. Chris Livingston is um, he's a freshman. Yeah. So, so Livingston was the number twelve recruit in the 2022 recruiting class. He's a six foot six wing. I've seen he, him in some first rounds, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ESPN has him as the number ninety player in the country right now. Now he could he could be a guy that comes back and is a first round or second round pick after another year. He's only averaging six a game right now. Yeah, no, he's yeah. That's a that's he's going to be a guy. I think still. Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably right. And then um, if you look at Providence, Bryce Hopkins is ranked as the number 68 player. Gets his forward team. Oh. That's another storyline in that game. Yeah, 16 points and nearly nine rebounds a game on the year for he Hopkins. Was, he was pissed because he wasn't getting the ball enough in Kentucky. He transferred to Providence. Now he plays Kentucky in the first round. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a great storyline. And he's a guy that shoots 38% from three. He's versatile. He's big. He can do it all. Um so it'll be really interesting to watch that matchup. But like I said, he's, he's a guy that could be a second round pick. He's a sophomore. He could be a second rounder. If he came out now, maybe get up higher in the second round. If he comes back to school, I just, I bring all that up because Kentucky doesn't have that same talent level. Like they've got four guys averaging double figures. And they're, they're going to have a next year. That's the funny thing. It's just like little plus some of these teams are, I think we're so like, we don't need the transfer portal. And then because we recruit the way we do, or maybe it'll hurt the way, we, you know, I wonder what the give and take is there for yeah. some of the teams. Let, let and me, then you Duke, like, because Duke is the other team that recruits like Kentucky when it comes to the, you know, the top 10, 20 players in America. I wonder if Duke could actually, I, I wonder if they struggle to bring in transfers just because, like, I'm not saying that they don't bend things a little bit for the basketball program. I know that they do at Duke, but I also know it's like, Transfer wise, that might be a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. They have a different academic system at Duke. Yeah, they do. DY, you mentioned Shibway earlier in the show when we talked about his defensive liability. And this is partially why we think this could be a favorable matchup for K State. Let me read you a couple paragraphs from ESPN from November of this season after they played Michigan State in the non con, Kentucky did. And this is a 
updated scouting report from at that time on Oscar Shibway. Um, Shibway's instincts and historic production as a rebounder are well documented. We're on full display again, carved out deep post position, um, obviously grabbed a lot of loose balls. Quote, still many of the same limitations we saw last year held back his draft stock were evident again against Michigan State, namely his struggles as a passer with five turnovers, his occasionally poor shot selection, and especially his inability to defend in space, which the Spartans fully looked to exploit whenever he was in the game. Shibwe's lack of mobility and awareness are major hindrances projecting to the NBA as he struggles to navigate screens and is prone to falling asleep and losing his man off the ball, which is how Michigan State tied the game at the end of regulation on an inbounds pass. Shibwe is no is in is no doubt en route to another fantastic season from a productivity standpoint, and is sure to find a team that likes his energy in the second round. So like he's 74th ranked player right now, like somebody might take a shot at him in the fifties to set late in the second round, but he's a defensive liability. You can get like, if you can get Keontae on him in a mismatch, you, you screen and get somebody on him. Like you, you can eat up Kentucky defensively. That's why they're number 75 in Ken Palm defense is because largely a sheep way. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Kansas state defensively is still in the top twenties. The offense is really what's holding them back. That's where you can exploit Kentucky because of the Shibway, the disadvantage where you can probably get the matchup that you want. Um, yeah, I, I'm i probably convincing myself. You're convincing me too. I would take Kentucky over Providence. Yeah. A couple more things, and we can we can wrap this up for everybody. Uh, you mentioned D.Y. They're pretty much the same team, Providence, Kentucky. Here's another thing. Kentucky, number 14 in Ken Palm offense. Providence number 16 in Ken Palm offense. No, the, the, their statistical profiles are, are, are so close together. Um, just give me the worst coach at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then Providence number 107 in defense in Ken Palm, Kentucky 75th. So, it, which is odd because I think Ed Cooley teams is hard nosed, tough, defensive minded, but this year that's not the case. No, um, they're, yeah. they're, the, the athleticism is lacking a little bit. You know, they usually have like a Ryan Gomes type or some of those. They used they usually have two or three NBA guys right now. A little little short on that probably as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, one Bryce last. Hop- Bryce Hopkins doesn't have that. I'm sure they would. Uh, I'm sure they'd like Bryce Hopkins back at Kentucky for uh, this year's team. But yeah, uh, probably uh, real quick because our, our producer who's kind of a KU guy, right? He, he hates. Not not the biggest Kevin McCuller fan, but we talked about a little bit this the last time. If you're KU, would you rather have Arkansas or Illinois? I I think Arkansas is probably two top five picks, maybe. I, I struggle with that because Arkansas's guards are young, Nick Black. But, and, but also, and this is gonna be a weird thing to you, but we, we just got done with the coaching thing. And I know everyone's like bring home Brad last year at this time of year. We were all about it, and I get it. I don't know what you're talking about. But I think Muss is a better tournament coach than Brad. By far. Must took Nevada to the Sweet 16. He's taken Arkansas to Elite Eight twice. Underwood's, like, aside from last year, where he almost lost to Chattanooga, has been first-round exits, right? I think he was better at Stephen F. Austin in the postseason. In fact, I think he was the guy that had um, multiple upsets when a 12 seed and a 14 seed. He beat West Virginia as a 14 and a 3 when he was at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Eric Musselman in the NCAA tournament is just a freaking monster. I'm torn on it because Arkansas is young. They're inexperienced, but they do have two potential lottery picks and Anthony Black and Nick Smith. They're freshmen, though. So, and, and, and I think their most productive player, the guy that really scares me, is probably – well, actually, now that Nick Smith's back, I think he's the one that scares me the most. But Ricky Council has been really good for them. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a big guard, 6'5", 6'6", physical wing that can drive in and attack. Like, look, can, can you got a tough 8-9 draw. Like, that's – those are two talented teams. To be honest, I mean, I know we admitted this off off camera. We could say now, like, out of all the one seeds, KU got screwed the most. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they, Illinois, they four, was it three or four teams in their bracket alone that are ranked higher than them in Kempom? Yeah, yeah. Gonzaga, no, that's that's right. Yeah, Gonzaga, UConn. Yeah, UConn's UCLA, the four seed. Gonzaga, UCLA, and UConn all ahead of KU and Kempom. Yeah, UConn's the four seed in their top five in Kempom and the region. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. And like Illinois beat Texas and UCLA on neutral courts in the non-con. So they they can put it together. They're an enigma. They've been up and down. But Shannon, Terrence Shannon can go off on anybody. We've seen it. And Matthew Mayer. Yeah. Two big 12 guys. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and here's the uh, uh, one last thing on Kentucky DY. CJ Frederick, like to me, he's kind of a wild card. Uh, I covered him in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so transfer from Iowa, he missed last season due to injury. Um, but man, he's been banged up a lot this year. He's got a rib injury right now. He's only shooting 32% from three on 104 attempts this season, but in his first two seasons at Iowa, 46% from three on 178 attempts from three, like hopefully he is not on or gives it a, like he, he's been up and down this year for them banged up. So hopefully he can't go or if K-State plays them, but I thought I'd mention him as well. No, that makes sense. Um, just some coaching carousel things that I can kind of share that I've heard around just the water cooler a little bit that if people are just college basketball junkies, I think Rick Patino to St. John's, I wouldn't call it a slam dunk at this point. I think St. John's will have to like beg him a little bit. I think he's going to require that a little, but I, I would be surprised still at this point if that didn't happen. Right. I think Rick Pitino is probably headed to St. John's, but he's probably going to make them beg a little bit. I think he wants to be wined and dined a little. Um, kind of the Pitino thing. Georgetown, on the other hand, Ed Cooley, I've already mentioned, as a as a big time name there. So is Micah Shrewsbury from Penn State. Yeah, it'll be interesting where they go, where Texas Tech goes with their job too, right? Where Texas goes, you got two Big Twelve openings. Tech. Two, two, two Scott Drew coaching tree guys we've heard for that one, Paul Mills and Graham McCaslin. Yeah. be fascinating to watch what direction those schools go. If Texas promotes Rodney Terry to full-time, if they make a run in the NCAA tournament too, they're going to face a lot of pressure. I understand the hesitation on Rodney Terry too because he's had two head coaching gigs before and has not performed well. I get it. So I, w- I wouldn't be rushing on him either. But I'm, always, I'm always hesitant to – hire interim coaches that do well. Like look at what Wichita state did with Isaac Brown and three years later they had to fire him. So yeah, no, it's tough. I, I get it. Te- Texas is actually in a remarkably tough spot. Yeah. All right. DY. Well, we've given the people almost an hour. So uh, is there anything else you got to add? Uh, no, just uh, have fun. Have fun, drink up, get your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, and uh, let's uh, toast some some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon or 360 vodka after a victory on Friday night, all right? Yeah, as people have seen the last three years, we can't say basketball. These things aren't guaranteed, so make sure to still take time to enjoy it. Yeah, abs- I mean, absolutely. Cherish the opportunity to be relevant again in March, and even if it's just them getting out of the first round, don't forget it was a heck of a lot of fun this season. And K-State is here to stay as long as Jerome Tang is in Manhattan and this staff. So they're going to be fine. And look, I tweeted this out, but if you look at the last, what, 2010 to now and upsets in the first round, I pulled the data 11 through 16 seeds that went in the first round since 2010. 60 of the 65 teams had higher Ken Palm rankings than Montana State. Only five teams with a worse Ken Palm ranking pulled off an upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So we, that's another comforting factoid for you people. We have a drug uh, uh, innocent bystanding program or person yet, um, like we typically do. Although you can make a case that I did John Calipari pretty dirty throughout this this podcast, but I just saw, I got ESPN playing in the background. It is the anniversary of number 15 seed Hampton upsetting number two, Iowa State. Man, I I remember, uh, I think I was listening to that game on radio because that was before all the games were on TV, right? And they would shift to those games. Uh, yeah, you're right. But, uh, but back then, is, uh, and I love my mom and dad for this. Uh, I skipped school on Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, we were usually on spring break, so it played out well for us. Oh, no. I just I, – my parents would be like, yeah, he's sick. Same time every year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't blame him. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking – shout out – we got a shout out Mizzou, D.Y. That list I tweeted uh, with the best – the worst upsets since 2010, Missouri lost to the worst team in Ken Palm out of the 65 upsets as a two seed. Norfolk State at 183 in Ken Palm. 
uh, knocked off Mizzou. I also remembered the one that you had for Flando's Michigan State Spartans losing to Middle Tennessee. That one and uh, our friends at Iowa State losing to 135th UAB, one of the worst losses. Like that's the third one. You forgot that one. I had to remind you. I had to highlight it. Thank you for catching that. So, yeah, I missed it initially. All right. Well, we've had some fun. We had to drag somebody at the end. So we went ahead and did that. Iowa State, Missouri, and uh, gosh, I can't even remember who else we just dragged, but uh, they they got the brunt of our punishment. Um, So, hey, we we appreciate you guys for listening into another episode. Appreciate D.Y. jumping on. He's very busy in Greensboro. We hope we hope D.Y.'s there through Sunday and uh, that he's coming home booking plans to Madison Square Garden. And I'll be doing the same. If K-State can win and get to the Sweet 16, I'll be booking flights and hotels and tickets to get to Madison Square Garden. I hope a lot of you have that opportunity to do so, too, uh, to get to the Big Apple. So appreciate all of you for all your support. Like, subscribe the pod if you enjoy what we do. Rate us. Give us your comments, feedback. We appreciate you. Subscribe on our YouTube channel. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you again for listening to another 3 Mall Pod. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.